Welcome to the Commerce Connect podcast from Digital River, an e-commerce and payments company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow their revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our time. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started and lessons they've learned that have gotten them to where they are today and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hi, I'm Emily Burton from Digital River. In recent years, we've gotten used to buying things online we never would have imagined. I mean, think about Dollar Shave Club, automobiles. Brands now realize they need to meet customers where they are, something that probably resonates with our guest today, Jennifer Peters. She's the direct-to-consumer manager for Ollie, the vitamins and supplement brand that is so prevalent on shelves, both at big box stores and also online. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, I took a look out at your profile. You've had such an interesting path to get to where you are at Ollie today. Uh, you started with your experience at Barnes & Noble, working in marketing, building e-commerce sites for other brands. I'd love to have you walk us through that and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of myself as a storekeeper, as a shopkeeper, because that's kind of how I got my start at Barnes & Noble in real old school, old fashioned brick and mortar. And I've been super, super lucky to have a career that sort of changed with the times. Um, you know, I worked at Barnes & Noble in what I would probably call their heyday, like late 90s, early 2000s. And um just happened to leave around the time where things got a little, little icky there. <laughs> so, um, you know, just Amazon and the competitive landscape of selling books as, as a commodity, it's just really challenging business in general. Um, and I got hired to run a, what was at the time referred to as a digital bookstore um, at a company, a 200 year old company that um, had this was their first foray into anything digital. So they were like, you know what we need for our store? A bookstore manager. So cool. Here we go. So I got really, really lucky to jump into e-commerce at a time and at a place where I could build the entire program and learn the whole business from the ground up. So I spent um, about eight years in Nashville at Cokesbury in working in the, in the church supply business, which is very interesting. Um, and then got really, really fascinated by the technical pieces of marketing and the technical parts of, um, of software development and website development. And that led me out to the Bay Area where I started working on e-commerce websites and I got fell madly in love with Shopify and then kind of like <laughs> really the rest is sort of history there. Um, I, you know, self-taught for the most part. I have a bachelor's degree in political science, which is like useless. Um, but I think, you know, unless you're a lawyer, it is pretty useless. Um, so yeah, so I did go back, um, got my master's degree at Baylor, um, got an MBA. So I felt like it was a little bit more legitimate in my field, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love all the pieces of the business, you know, the, the people part, the product part, the technical pieces, the integrations, and, you know, the great thing about e-commerce and, and is to me how all of these pieces of business fit together. And it's technical and it's, and it's still also the same principles that you use when you have a store, you, you know, you put your product out, you hope customers buy it and you still do that today, even in, even in a digital environment. Oh, I can, I can completely relate to the ever-changing e-commerce environment. So now Ollie, tell us a little bit about how you came to Ollie and, and kind of Ollie itself. 
Yeah, Ali, Ali is a magical place, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> it's, I've been at Ali for about a year and a half, and I still feel most days like, I can't believe this is real. I can't believe this is a real job. Um, it's so much fun. Um, you know, Ali's a great company. We really got our start in brick and mortar. If you've ever been to Target, you have seen Ali. Um, I recently was at a conference where someone was like, I don't know Ali. And I was like, have you been to Target? And they were like, oh yeah. I was like, first MCAT, Target, that's Ollie. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really exciting to work um, for a brand that is so visible and so disruptive in so many ways with the packaging and the way we market products. And um, you know, before I was at Ollie, I was at an agency where I built e-commerce stores for different brands, lots of different brands. And it was very fun, loved it. Um, I learned so much when you just continually keep building stores, like you learn all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but I was getting really attached to a lot of our clients. And then when the store process build was finished, I was having to hand the keys over to the account management team. And it, it just, I had one client towards the end where I was like, I can't keep doing this. I need my own brand. And just about that time is when Ollie came knocking. So it was perfect timing, the perfect brand. Um, the right kind of challenges for me and where I was and the right kind of business um, of just like explosive growth and some, you know, a company that started as a startup that's growing into a big company and all of the challenges that go along with that. Um, my favorite thing about Ollie is that as the D2C manager, I get to run the entire business from start to finish. So everything relating to the website, everything related to like the marketing and retention and acquisition, the inventory management and the payment gateways and the tax, you know, consider like every single thing up through the end of like the last mile of fulfillment, I get to run that. And that is just like a dream. It's super fun every day. Oh, that's excellent. And you mentioned Ollie starting as, you know, really this startup mentality, this, you know, grassroots and into something that's tremendous, but now it's part of a bigger company, uh, yes. Unilever. What's changed there? What's it like to be now part of that bigger CPG brand? And maybe did the team have to change its mentality a little bit? Or are we kind of the same thing? Well, it's it's a great question. I thankfully did not work at Ollie during the transition. So I was hired after the acquisition. And honestly, I think I'm happy about that. I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. Um, to me, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. And that was one of the things I think, even when I was looking at and thinking about going to work there, it was like all the cool things about a startup, all the fun and like agility and, and kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and all of that stuff that's really, really awesome, but with a safety net. And I love that because it's like, great, we got this business, we've got this budget, but at the same time, if something goes horribly wrong, we have this great safety net. And we also have a structure and an organization that we can lean on, especially in some areas that are new to us as a, as a startup that's maturing. You know, there are things, there are challenges that we had yet to experience. And having the resources available at Unilever really helps us connect with people in other brands who have gone through the same thing. So I think that's one of the nice things about Unilever is that we have this great team of brands with great relationships with each other. And we can all relate to where we are and we might be in different phases of, of our lifespan and our development, but at the same time, there's always someone you can call to be like, hey, what did you do when this happened? Who do you know that works in fulfillment? Who do you, you know, do you know anyone at Segment? You know, all of those questions that you don't always have 
answers to, but we, we do, we have those resources to go to. That's excellent. And it sounds like um, you have a lot of, a lot of freedom to run Ollie and, and let Ollie be Ollie, but you still have these other resources. Um, you mentioned a brand that's maturing. What does it mean for Ollie to become a more mature brand? What's next? Yeah, I um, often describe Ollie as is a company in its awkward teenage years. Um, like sometimes we're weird, sometimes we're awkward. Um, but I think one of the things we found is that a lot of the things that worked two years ago, they don't work anymore. So there is a constant need to look at staffing, look at headcount, look at resourcing, um, to look at our partners, to look at who we have worked with in the past and where it still works and where it doesn't work anymore. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of partners, especially in the fulfillment part of the business that, yeah, two, three years ago, they were great. But at the rate of our growth and where we are now with how many orders we're filling a day, we just can't they just can't keep up with it anymore. So that's you know, that's, I think, one of the tougher pieces of that is figuring out where the issues are and then even then prioritizing them. You know, what's where can we get the biggest bang for our buck? What's the smartest choice to make? I mean, nobody ever likes to change fulfillment. Nobody ever likes to change. A lot of things are really hard. Um, one of the big ones that, one of the big changes we had to make, um, we're in the vitamin and supplement segment. So subscriptions are a huge part of our business. And we had to make a transition away from Recharge, who had been our subscription partner. And we moved, we decided to move over to Order Groove. And if you've ever changed anything that involves changing a payment gateway, you know, it's terrible. And it's just like a really hard and traumatic experience, but I also knew that to scale recharge was not going to be able to do what we needed, what we needed to do. And that order groove was going to be our long-term partner that we needed. And so I think a lot of, there are a lot of decisions like that and conversations that you have to have um, internally around who's going to get us there where we want to go. And it may not be the same people that we were working with and that's okay. That's okay. We just have to make the best choices. You know, you mentioned, right. Choosing, choosing the right partner for that subscription side of the business, um, obviously trying to meet your customers where they are. There's probably been a lot of choices about digital platforms, other ways that you're kind of coming to market. What, is, what, are you, what do you think about in that space for Ollie? What kinds of decisions have you had to make recently? Yeah, I think the, the subscription is probably a great example of that just because it is such a core part of our business. Um, you know, we did add segment in the last year I think to, to try to understand our customers' behavior more and better. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about Ollie that I really, really love is that on our team, we have an e-commerce team and we have somebody who does Amazon. We have somebody that does Omnichannel, um, which is like target.com, walmart.com, Instacart. And then we have myself who does D2C. And all of our channels are very different segments of customers. So the three of us, have a completely different sweet spot when it comes to the business. And that to me is just like the coolest thing because we don't compete against each other. Yeah, there's some overlap. Um, but I think in terms of how we, um, you know, think about the business and we think about even like campaigns, marketing campaigns, we know what we do, the, we know what we do well, and we're able to really kind of like do what we know works in our channels. So that's really cool. I think one of the big challenges is having brick and mortar be such a big part of the business. It's hard to connect that brick and mortar activity to what your online customers are doing, um, especially with Target being, you know, huge, obviously, and so many people Shopping at Target, who, who may never come to Ollie.com, they may come to Ollie.com, they may go to Amazon. 
it's hard to connect all those dots. I think that's been a big challenge for us is connecting the brick and mortar dots in, in channels we don't own. Like we don't own Target. We don't get we don't get every piece of detailed reporting from Walmart, you know? So it's, it's harder to connect the dots, I think, when you have kind of customers all over the place, but you still have to strive to try to meet them where they are. You know, that's a great, kind of a great point with the, with the multiple channels. Like you said, there's a sweet spot for each. Mm-hmm. Um, are you trying to make a, like a through, through thread for a customer journey, or do you really kind of think of them as separate customers, even though they could overlap? I, we're definitely trying to put that together. I mean, I think it is challenging, you know, we're, it's kind of like a long project, but we're really doing our best. I think having segment as a tool has helped a lot, just kind of fully flesh out what customers are doing on site. Um, You know, and Amazon reporting is what Amazon reporting is. Uh, So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, blanks, but I think it's a, it's an ongoing process for us. And we have a, we have a great, like very robust analytics team. And that's really what they work on is kind of like, how do we figure out all of these things together? Like, how do we figure out the halo effect of something we did here, but we saw the impact here? Um, and, and it's just an iterative process. I think we're still figuring it out. Oh, I totally understand that. I suppose the pandemic probably changed some of how you look at that data and what that data is going to tell you to do next as well. Has anything dramatically changed even since we've opened more stores back up and people are going to stores more? I think we have the unique place of being something that's almost like almost an essential. And most of the most of the retailers where we are sold that are considered essential, you know, their grocery, their Target, their Walgreens. So I think that probably gave us a little bit more stability in that area than a lot of other CPG brands experienced. Um, I think we we hurt the most when it came to supply chain. And I think anybody who's in the segment or anybody who's in the vitamin supplement segment really felt that. Like there was a time where you couldn't find any elderberry anywhere, anywhere in the whole country, in the whole world. Like it was all gone. It had been all used and you can only grow more so fast. So we had, I mean, I think we really struggled with inventory management and availability of ingredients and that sort of thing, like a lot of other brands did too. But uh, that was, I think, where we felt the the hardest hit from COVID, and it took us a while to recover. <laughs> and I suppose customers, based on the data you have, they have their favorites, and elderberry might be that one. It might be, especially, I think, you know, for COVID in particular, it was like, oh, yeah, all this great immunity, all these great immunity products. Well, almost every immunity product has elderberry in it. Like, that's what's <laughs> in there. So it was rough. And actually, I was, this was before I was at Ollie. We had a client at um, World Pantry who made a lot of different elderberry teas, and they were just like almost out of business because they couldn't get any anywhere. I, I suppose um, the many data channels that you've talked about now helps you play kind of play a role in decision-making? Like how much do we focus towards the physical location versus the marketplace? Um, Any more you can elaborate on kind of the role of customer data and how it influences those decisions? Yeah, I I think that, I mean, I don't want to say that it it runs itself, but I think there are a lot of parts of the brick and mortar business that we know really well. Like our founders are the same founders of Method, you know, the cleaning company. So like we have this business model down. and also Welly, which is like a really awesome up and coming um, bandaged brand. They're just super cute and awesome. We all have the same founder. So we're all looking for these businesses, these like sort of lines of business where it, they're ripe for disruption. And I mean, like who thought you could make cleaning stuff cool, right? Like method 
kind of pave that road and then Grove came along and made it really cool. And now you want to subscribe to it. I mean, it's just weird. Um, but I think that that's part of it is, is just like the balance between brick and mortar and e-commerce. It's definitely shifting to where e-commerce has become a much bigger part of that business. And at Ollie, I have not seen things that I've seen at other places where there's like, oh, you're taking our customers, you know, this sort of internal strife. I think we really do feel like we have a lot of products and different channels sell different product lines better than others. You know, my top segments are um, not the same as targets because, you know, you can buy some of our products, you can buy anywhere. Like you can buy our sleep gummies almost anywhere. So you don't necessarily come to Ollie.com to buy sleep. You come to buy some of the other stuff that you that maybe your target doesn't have, or you don't, you don't, you can't find it at Walgreens or whatever. So I think that helps too. Is it again, like even in e-commerce, we're in our sweet spot, but even like the divide between brick and mortar in e-commerce, there's still like that divide of sweet spots. Like we don't feel like we're stepping on each other's toes a lot. And that's nice. <laughs> that is definitely a nice thing. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I know that brands that, that we work with often talk about that kind of that channel conflict and we've yes. heard a lot more of what you're saying where it's less of a conflict and more of a compliment yeah. if you can, if you can find those sweet spots. Um, you've definitely shown a passion for e-commerce in your career and how you've moved forward. You've built e-commerce sites, as you mentioned, for many, many brands. Um, I too get attached to the sites and the customers that we build for. Now that you have your own brand, what's been the most challenging or the most interesting about e-commerce with a CPG brand? I think it's two things. I think first, I'm the first DTC manager at Ollie. So there was a lot of ground that hadn't been covered yet. Um, and a lot of like very unglamorous parts of e-commerce, you know, very functionality focused and um, compliance focused pieces of the business that aren't that super exciting, like sales tax compliance. I know you guys know all about that. Sales tax compliance, ADA compliance, you know, these things that you like, you don't want to spend time on, but they're so important. Um, so that really, I think is a, is a big piece there was kind of establishing all the ways that we are compliant um, and then building on to that, being able to like layer on new things and functionalities and and then the design piece and testing, I think all of those things, it's like, you have to start from here's where we are. Here's the ground level. Let's build out, let's set ourselves up for success. Let's build a future-proof store. And we roadmap every development and prioritize based on, you know, dev lift versus revenue impact, you know, just like everybody else does. I'd say we're really good at sticking to that because we are a small team. So we're able to really focus on the things that really matter to us right now, which is really great. Um, but yeah, I think this is the year that we really can get into the fun stuff. Like we've started, you know, we're really working on personalization. Um, we've really started doing a lot more like macro kind of A-B testing. So like, you know, like full site experience, A-B testing, not just like one little tiny thing, this and that. Um, so we've learned a lot this year, which is really great. Um, and, you know, the more data you have, the better decisions you can make. <laughs> so we are doing a lot of learning um, in order to kind of figure out what the next step is. Like, what do our product pages look like? What should they look like? Um, I, I think my biggest concern at coming to Ollie was that it was going to be boring after continually just working on brand after brand after brand, but it has not been boring a single day. <laughs> so um, that is, that's a nice thing. And it's, 
it's just, I mean, it's just a lot of fun and our team is awesome. And yeah, we just, you know, we love what we do. We love the product too. It makes it so much easier when you're selling a product that you really love and that you take and, you know, you feel really strongly about and um, all of those things make it fun every day. And I have yet to be bored. So that's a good sign. Oh, that is a good sign. You mentioned like getting those foundations into place was kind of a, a new thing for Ollie. Now that you're kind of exploring what else you can do to really entice and delight your customers, is there is there something that really just stands out? Like that's the thing. That's where we really got to shine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it for us does come back to subscription and um, creating an environment of like autofill for, for vitamins. I think it's just, it's so, so important. And, you know, we are really looking at some of the elements of our subscription program that haven't really been thought about in a couple of years. Again, this two years ago worked great right now. Not great. <laughs> like we need to, we need to tweak it and we need to make some changes. Um, and I can give you a great example. Like right now, all of our subscriptions are quarterly. That's, that's great. I'm sure this was at some point a decision made around shipping costs and it probably made a lot of sense, but right now, especially with the economy being the way it is, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, lowering that barrier of entry is really important. Um, if you want to lock in customers, you don't want to lock them in and be like, oh man, I got to pay $90 for a quarterly subscription. It just doesn't feel good. And so I think that some sensitivity around that is really important, especially given the kind of inflationary economy right now to just making sure that customers feel like they're in control of when they get product and when they need products. And, you know, you don't take, not all of our products are things you take every day. Sometimes, you know, you take it as needed. So maybe quarterly doesn't make sense anyway. So I think that the, that's the kind of thing that we're now really pulling apart and questioning ourselves. Like, is this the right model? Is this the right way to do this? What are the options? Um, we work with order Groove for subscriptions. They're awesome partners. And so, you know, they've helped us a lot too, because they've got a lot of insight from some of their other partners around like, Hey, this is what works for this kind of consumable, this kind of consumable. Um, so yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that we really have to dig into and make sure that we're offering the same thing that customers are looking for right now. And you mentioned also, uh, the importance of personalization, obviously, mm -hmm this frequency, my subscription, that's one way. Are there other important elements of personalization for, especially for Ollie? Yeah. I mean, there's so, we have really defined a product lines and I would, I have said this before. I don't know if this is entirely true, but I kind of think that we market vitamins the way beauty companies market cosmetics. I mean, it's very similar. Like we're not out here telling you every single ingredient in our stuff. We're saying like, Hey, it's for, it's for your hair. Do you need, would you love wonderful, awesome hair? Then take this, you know? Um, so I think that those divisions around the product segments like beauty and like gut health and, um, you know, multivitamins is of course a whole thing, but mood is a huge category. So I think that those really do help us um, speak to specific segments of customers clearer than it would be if just like, we have all these vitamins and you can choose whatever you want. Um, you know, we really can, we can do a lot better segmented targeting around who we're, who we're, who we're bringing these products to and how, you know, what language we're using and um, as we talk about the products. So we have like a fabulous women's health line. Um, it's called, we call it MOWO. It's called Modern Women's. 
health. And it's, you know, it's really outstanding products and really kind of like edgy names. And, you know, one of our top products is Love and Libido and it's a women's libido supplement. And so like, there's not a lot of those on the market, but it's also not for everybody. So understanding who you're talking to and making sure it's the right message at the right time to the right person, all that is super critical. Oh, that's excellent. Um, You also mentioned during the pandemic, seeing that kind of boost in people looking at immunity Uh areas. Are there other target areas that you've seen kind of a boost in recently, like women's health or similar? Definitely women's health. That one has been huge for us. And I don't think there are, I think part of the reason is there are not a lot of players in that area. I mean, there's a lot out there on men's libido, but there's not a lot for women's libido. There's, you know, we have another product called happy hoo-ha that you can guess what that you can guess what that's for. Um, but you know, I mean, there, there's just not a lot of competitors in that space. I'd say the one big one that we see really blowing up right now is digestive health. And, um, like, you know, we have a, a prebiotic probiotic gummy that number one tastes fabulous. It's really one of the best tasting ones we have. Um, but you know, we're just seeing so much engagement around people wanting to have like healthier stomachs and healthier eating habits. And, um, I think there's a lot of, um, excitement around like fiber supplements and that sort of thing that maybe that just means we're all getting older. I don't know, (laughs) but, um, I think I really see that as a category that's blowing up right now. I think, um, apple cider vinegar is a biggie too. Like you see that everywhere now. Um, people want to have apple cider vinegar gummies and we have one and it, oh man, it tastes great. I can't believe it has apple cider in it, but so good. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big, that's a big place of growth. And as people, I think maybe coming out of COVID too, people just want to take better care of themselves. And they're thinking more about like their whole health, not just their physical health, not just their mental health, but kind of like how all of that fits together. And our products are really complementary to that because they're, you know, we have mood products, we have digestive health, we have all these things that you can kind of layer together that do address like your overall health inside and out. Definitely think a lot of us after being cooped up and stuck on our couch are definitely trying to make that more holistic view. I love yes. it. <laughs> yes. Um, I know we talked a little bit about supply chain already. Uh, you mentioned elderberry. Any other big challenges? Are we kind of over some of those supply chain challenges and, and we think we got a path forward? Well, I hope we are. I think the biggest fear during COVID was, oh my God, what if the people in my warehouse, I'll get COVID and my warehouse gets shut down. I mean, that was like number one fear that never happened to us. Thank goodness. Um, but I mean, I know it happened to a lot of other brands. I know a lot of people at brands where that happened. And if that happens, you hope you have more, more than one warehouse. <laughs> You're really trouble, really a lot of trouble. Um, I think that was the biggest fear. And I do feel like we're over that now. I, I hope, um, you know, hopefully we don't kind of backtrack at all. Um, and I think where we are now, it's more about like, who's going to be the best partner for us for the next five to 10 years in terms of fulfillment. Um, and that's, that's kind of how, again, like we're trying to make future-proof decisions as we, could we know we're going to continue to grow. We want to work with partners that can support that and grow with us and support us at where we are now and also where we're going to be in five years. So I think fulfillment is really tough. I think in general, it's tough because you see in marketing and in e-commerce, the technology is insane. Like there's just so much, all the, everything can be automated. It's, it's amazing. Then you go into a warehouse and you're like, is it 2003? What is this? Um, you know, I don't feel like fulfillment has been on the same uh, trajectory of 
innovation that the rest of the business has been on and it shows. So, um, yeah, there, I mean, I think there are some good fast growing partners out there right now. It's just a matter of figuring out, you know, where you are in your brand, like who's going to be the best for us. Totally understand figuring all those building blocks together is what makes the brand really work. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we wrap up, there's just a couple of questions I'd love to ask just about you really. Sure. Um, Got a varied background. I'd love to hear who's influenced you along the way. You know, I think I would say one of my favorite people. So I was on the the National Retail Federation's digital board for a couple of years, and that was a huge influence just to kind of be around these incredible people in the in the industry in real time, you know, working through real time problems and having real time conversations. I think it kind of just like forces you to get to that level. And that was huge for me. Um, uh, Sucharita Kadali is probably one of my favorite, favorite people that anything she says, I believe her. <laughs> and in fact, we were just at the Commerce Next conference in New York City a couple, I guess it was about a month ago. And she was the opening speaker. And it was just like, she she spoke all about the economy, what looks like, are we better off after COVID or are we worse off? Um, what does this inflation mean for all of these retailers? And I swear, like I have that video they sent me the video of it and I like clutch it like a comfort blanket like I'm like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay um but she just had some really awesome uh facts and figures just relating to like we are better off it doesn't feel like we are necessarily but so many things that are happening in the market right now are adjustments where there was over um investment in certain places companies whatever Um, but that in general, people are better off. They have more money. They're saving more money. And, um, so yeah, I would say, I feel like she has spoken at almost every conference I've ever been to, but she's really just outstanding and just like the authority on retail, I think. And so she's a huge, huge influence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even at Ollie, our founder is like quite prolific and it's amazing to see how he thinks about, what do, what, do I, what am I going to do next? Like, what do I want to disrupt next? And I love the idea of thinking about business that way, like looking at these different parts of industries and thinking like, what can I do and just like blow it up and make it cool? And that's what I see a lot of these really successful companies doing all of a sudden. And, and it's, it's very, it's very fun. It's exciting to see. And, you know, like, like you said at the beginning, I mean, who would have thought we would buy cars online. Who'd have thought you'd be able to order cheese curds from Wisconsin online? I mean, (laughs) I just did that last week. I was really excited, (laughs) but now you can order butcher box. And I mean, the things that you can get delivered to your house, it's just incredible. It's amazing to me. In fact, I mean, I live in the Bay area, so I'm a little spoiled, but you can get people to come to your house and do your oil change and like change your tires. And it's crazy. So it's just, it's amazing to see like what is going to happen. And I do think that COVID accelerated a lot of that. Um, that was probably going to come eventually anyway, but I think it was like up the timeline significantly in the development of that stuff. So it was really cool. Absolutely. Um, I might need that video so I can clutch it like a security blanket too. I'm just, it sounds so, I mean, about perfect. It's so good. It's I'll send it to you after this. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that'd be excellent. Um, I'm not sure if you listen to a lot of podcasts, but if you do, do you have any you would recommend to our listeners? 
I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I would say one of one of my favorites is Always Off Brand, and it's just a super fun e-commerce podcast that I feel it's a little like not safe for work in some ways, but it's very real. And uh, they hit all the different parts of e-commerce, even like the very unfun parts. Um, I am not a lover of <laughs> selling on Amazon. Again, a reason why Ollie's perfect for me because I never have to, I never have to think about it. Um, but yeah, they cover a lot of like the good, the bad and the ugly of selling in all the different channels. Um, so that's a, that's a really fun one for me, but yeah, in general, I'm, I'm like an old school book reader. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, I won't even watch a video. I want to read the article. Um, and I think that's just because like, I'm just a reader. I don't know. Totally. Is there, is there a book that's top of, li- of your list right now that you would share? You know, one of the books I feel like that, um, was a, was a game changer for me is the book called the content trap. And it ha- it's almost just full of case studies about different things that different companies that revolutionize things at different times. So it talks about uh, the New York Times and their and their payment gating and how they were able to actually stay in business and you know be productive from a fiscal sense by doing their payment gating and, and kind of all of the things that go along with that. Um, it also talks about I think the the University of is it Southern New Hampshire, which is like one of the first legitimate big online schools and how they kind of revolutionized online learning. Um, but it's, it's really about content and all the different ways people have adapted and been agile around how they serve content to customers, to people over the years. It's a few years old, but it's still really, really good. And I would say like many of the case studies have stuck with me for a long time. So that's, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, great recommendation. Thank you. Um, so lastly, if people wanted to connect with you, they want to follow you, what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, there absolutely. I'm on Twitter. I never post on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a real housewives news reader only of Twitter. So <laughs> I'm on Twitter, but yeah, absolutely. Reach out on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to make connections. I love to meet other people in e-commerce and in CPG, um, food and beverage. Uh, you know, I feel like networking is so, so important. And that was one of those things that during COVID just was really hard to just not have in person networking. And, you know, like I said, we went to Commerce Next a month ago, and I think people were just like, so excited to be around other living, breathing people. <laughs> it was, it was great. Like I met so many people. I don't feel like I usually meet that many people, but I think we are all just so happy to be interacting and out there. So yeah, connect. Let's if you're in the Bay area. Let's uh, grab a drink, grab some coffee, talk about, talk about business. I love it. Well, thank you. Our guest today has been Jennifer Peters, direct to consumer manager for Ollie. And you can find Ollie just about everywhere in stores and online. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun. You've been listening to the Commerce Connect podcast brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.